Welcome to What You Reading, Dude. It's Jamie, Lauren, and Lisa. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figure this is a good way to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts. Enjoy! Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Lauren is not going to say hi. hi. Okay. <laughs> I'm here. Okay. <laughs> this week, we are releasing a voicemail episode. Our second. Yay. Ooh. Because right now, some of us are gearing up for a vacation slash stressful time. So we figured <laughs> we would just, you know, phone it in and release an old episode that we recorded while we were on vacation back in May. So, yeah, it's kind of old. But you'll I think <laughs> it's kind of old. You'll notice some references that are maybe, you know, two to three months old at this point. But I personally, Jamie, is talking right now, really enjoyed listening to both Lauren and Lisa's because the whole time I just, I don't know, I loved it. They're the best. So listen to their part. Feel free to skip over mine. No, no, we love no, no. You. Hard disagree. Um, and for people who still don't know our voices. We're going to start with Lauren, then go into myself, Jamie, and then go into Lisa. Because yes. I don't know if I introduced my section. You both <laughs> did, and I once again did not. So the, as long as two of us did it, one. we can figure it yeah, out. True, true. <laughs> I think the moral of this rambly intro <laughs> is that even though it's a couple months old, it's still good. So listen oh, to it. it's still highly relevant. <laughs> Just, you know, so if you're listening. Fantastic points are made. Yeah, and if you're listening to the first half of mine, and you just want to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> no! <that's, laughs> No, no. It, it's got some throwbacks. You do you. You're the listener. You get to make the choice yeah. here. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Enjoy. Anyway, bye. bye. Hey, guys. How's it going? Lauren here. And the three amigos are not together again this week. I am reporting live from the middle of Iowa. Currently on my third day of driving from Seattle to Indianapolis, where I'm from. Thought I'd check in, let you know what was on the brain. So I'm solo road tripping across the United States. And Teddy is here, currently passed out behind me. I wanted to share briefly about a book that I got a couple weeks ago that I brought along with me. Morgan Harper Nichols' new book. I think it's called How Far You've Come. I'll confirm that later. But yeah, her brand new book. And it's, I don't, if you know who Morgan Harper Nichols is, I am obsessed with her. I love her. I think everything she writes and speaks and does just speaks straight to my heart. And um, she somehow just personifies or puts words to feelings that I've had and that a lot of people have had. She's amazing. She, yeah, she is just a beautiful, wonderful poet. She does artwork that kind of accompanies her poetry. She just released a new book. Her, her second book, I think with this publisher, but she has written more books. 
Anyway, this book, the format is based on a road trip that she has taken many times from Atlanta to California um, and has lived in many of the states along the way. And I believe each state gets like kind of a designated chapter with poetry that goes along with it and some long form writing that goes along with it. And I started it last night. I thought it'd be a fun book to kind of read along the way on my road trip because of the format of her book. And I haven't gotten very far because I've been driving by myself. I obviously am not dri- or reading in the car, physically reading in the car. The last couple nights have been pretty tired once I get to the place I'm staying for the night. So I haven't read a ton, but I did read the intro last night and a little bit of the Georgia chapter. Yeah, she's just so poetic and she is big on metaphors, which I love. I often am looking at life through metaphors, I think, Um, but I often feel like kind of too cheesy to really talk about them, and I just love that she, she just goes hard on the metaphors. I'm here for it, but I mean, the whole book is kind of a metaphor for road trips, which I find um, really beautiful, and as I'm driving across America, kind of reflecting on the last year and a half or so of what's happened kind of in my life and in in the world and I went on a road trip last summer last July kind of in the thick of COVID times driving from Seattle to Indianapolis because I don't know there just wasn't a lot going on last summer and I had never taken a road trip by myself before and I had this dog Teddy, who was five months at the time, six months or so, I just thought it would be fun to drive across the country by myself. And of course, my parents were nervous about it. And I'm sure they're still nervous as I'm currently (laughs) driving alone across the country. But that trip last summer felt so significant to me at the time and still does because I had never done that before. I'd never driven across the country by myself before. I found it really empowering in many ways, in the same ways that like traveling by myself internationally and otherwise has felt very empowering. And it's something I remember a friend of mine, a good friend of mine went on a solo road trip a couple years ago after she had um, lost her job and was kind of in between jobs. She decided to go on a road trip and I remember at the time she was kind of like, oh, it's been really amazing. And like, this is something that you should definitely do sometime is go on a trip by yourself. And I remember at the time, I probably said this to her. I don't remember if I said it to her. I was kind of thinking like, that's something I would never really be interested in doing. Um, That's something that I don't find myself really wanting to do. At the time, and then later looking back, I my personality is just such that I know as I'm saying it, and I often look back on these statements that I'm like, oh, I could never do that. Later, or even sometimes in the moment, realizing like, why, why is it that I feel like I could never do that? And my personality is such that I, because I feel like it's something I can't do, I now feel like I need to do it. Like it's almost inevitable that I have to do it. COVID was just the perfect opportunity for me to do something like this, to drive across the country 
by myself. I had a dog, which made it a thousand times better. And now as I'm doing it again, I'm re- I'm kind of reflecting on that last trip and in the last year. And I think in many ways, COVID has been so, so hard. But in other ways, I, I don't think I would have done a trip like that if it weren't for COVID, if it weren't for the fact that my job is so much more flexible right now. I got a dog because of COVID. That didn't seem like something that would have been possible for me previously. As hard as the last year was, I'm also grateful in many ways for the way I've grown in the last year and a half or so. Yeah, it's been it's been cool to kind of see to do this trip again. And I'm doing this trip the second time for different reasons than I did the first one. The first one was for the sake of driving. It was the trip was for the sake of the trip. And so I really got to take my time driving and stopped at a lot of funky places and just kind of I challenged myself to like not really use my GPS as I was driving the last time because I just wanted to kind of feel my way across (laughs) the United States, which seems so crazy. Like, obviously, I knew I was following the highway, but I would just stop kind of when I felt like it and um, relearned how to use a map and it was fun. And this trip is very different because I am trying to go home a lot faster this time. (laughs) They won't go into the details of why I'm like trying to get home, but I think on the way back, I'm going to take a little bit more time to drive back. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to like reflect on the last year and realize that a year has passed, even though it doesn't really feel like it. And I have grown as a human, even though it really doesn't feel like it. And it reminds me of that, like, really dumb metaphor. Like, in a car, like, there's a reason that your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield. It's that we need the rearview mirror because we do need, as drivers, we need to know what's going on behind us. But that's not the main focus. But like that juxtaposition of your rear view mirror next to your windshield and like kind of constantly checking in with where you came from and how you've moved on from where you were. I mean, I think it's just it's good to like check in and see how you've changed, because I think especially in the last year, it's felt like time hasn't been moving forward. And I have to remind myself that it really is. And I am growing and I am moving forward, even though it doesn't feel like it. And this second road trip is like a really big reminder of like, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable just driving myself across the country now because I've done it before. Like yesterday, I'll just, I mean, I'm always looking for lessons and whatever. And I'm like, always looking for the lesson and whatever I'm doing. So I'm like, what's the what lesson am I being taught this time? <laughs> Yesterday, I was driving through South Dakota, and and the last time the last time I drove through South Dakota, I went through a pretty gnarly storm um, in the Badlands. Luckily, I was just kind of parked and saw the storm coming, and could just kind of witness the storm pass over. This time, I was in almost the same area in South Dakota, like Rapid City area, and a storm came through, and I could kind of see it ahead of me on the highway, and I was kind of watching the 
the radar. It's just so hard to like really watch the weather as you're driving. But I saw I saw a storm up ahead. Obviously, it's like wide open spaces, so you can really see the storms. But it just kind of sprung up on me all of a sudden. And I'm also, it's not really relevant, but I'm in a rental car because my car was not able to drive this far. So it's, it's a car that I'm not super comfortable with. Like now after three days, I'm like, we've been through some things. So we, we, feel, like we're, we feel like we're friends now. But um, a storm came up super super fast and like I said I I I saw it coming in a way but also you kind of don't I didn't realize how crazy of a storm it was that I was driving right into 80 plus miles an hour because the speed limit is 80 um, in South Dakota all of a sudden it starts raining raining so hard is so loud I can't hear the podcast is playing over the speakers like it's so loud then it starts sleeting so fast and so hard that like the road is now covered in sleet like it looks like it snowed it's gone from like no rain to sleet in just a couple minutes and it's and I'm still going like 80 miles an hour I end up like kind of hydroplaning and then slid off the road And while that was kind of a like rattling, freaky experience, I didn't hit anything. The car was totally fine. I ended up having to like patch my tire today, probably because of that, just kind of sliding. (laughs) And it was, it like rattled me, but it wasn't freaky. And I was just kind of proud of myself and like that I can just handle things that happen. I don't like... I don't know how else to explain it other than like I pride myself on being very independent and I love like kind of the opportunity to take care of myself. So so anyway, like this morning, I don't know this car super well, but like after that happened, some like warning lights came on and I was like, oh, okay, what's happening here? So and then finally it tells me this car is like way more advanced than my current car, my current car like has no bells and whistles no features this like rental car is like a keyless ignition and warning lights up the wazoo and and so it finally said okay you have low tire pressure I was like okay so I take myself to a gas station and I get of course I don't have any of the normal things that I normally do all the things that my dad has put in my car <laughs> so that I have them I don't have like a tire pressure gauge so I go to a gas station and I buy one and then I find a place to fill up my tires and then the warning lights go off and I was like wow okay you really figured this out you got this and I find myself just being proud of like if this had happened five years ago and I I don't know if I I would have been on the road by myself five years ago but I wouldn't necessarily have known like you go to the gas station to fill up your tires with air or whatever I mean these are all things that I've learned I've learned how to take care of my car because I had to move across the country and no longer have my dad to take care of my car for me anymore and then today like the low tire pressure came on again I was just like oh, okay so I filled it up again and then it was low again so okay well I'll just look for a tire place and I'm in like the middle of Iowa I find like a tire place just down the road and I pulled them up I was like hey can you just patch my tire really quick and they were the nicest guys so fast took care of me we're so sweet it's like just a good reminder to me like how far 
I've come, how confident I am. Sometimes I like question my confidency in taking care of myself. If something goes awry, like I can calmly take care of the situation, get back on the road and just keep moving forward. It also reminds me like, you know, I'm trying to be efficient here. I'm trying to get home and sometimes things slow you down. And that's okay. And it gave me the opportunity to like meet some really nice guys in Iowa who fixed my tire. And we're like really nice to Teddy. And it was, you know, it was it was not a horrible experience. It was actually a very nice experience and a good opportunity to take an unintended rest stop. So yeah, I'm always looking for the lessons. Maybe I'll find a poem from Morgan Harper Nichols about road tripping. And I'll pop back on and read you a little poem. How Far You Have Come by Mar- Morgan Harper Nichols, page five. Invite the breeze in, windows down. Hear the sound of other wheels cycling over the ground. Let the air kiss your cheeks, and though no one looks and no one speaks, you are never alone. Out here on the road, this collective in between. I'll read just a little bit from her more long-form Georgia chapter, page 17. The Volvo started to pick up more speed now, and I looked one last time out the back window at the bridge, the tower, the mural. I imagined how the midnight sky would be lit by the torch's magnificence tonight. I almost asked Dad if we could stay, but I stopped just short of it. No, I thought, enjoy the moment as it unfolds. Nothing more, nothing less. Time was ticking, but it was not ticking against us. I didn't need to rush, but rather rather look and listen. Take the day in and always wear sunglasses. I just like both of those. I mean, I'm early in the book, so I'm sure there's much more that I'll love. Because one thing that I've learned about road trips or that I've taken away from road trips is that it's similar to living in a city, but anonymity of it is just fun and special sometimes like being in a place where you're not known being surrounded by all these other people in cars traveling the same direction as you and they don't know who you are and you don't know who they are have no idea where they started that day and where they're ending that day and they don't know the same about you but for a moment in time you're traveling in the same direction at the same moment And um, also this idea of just moving forward at a steady pace and being okay with time passing and not wishing that it would stop and not wishing it would go faster. Just being in this moment, it just reminds me of the last year and time is passing and just knowing that it's passing slowly but surely and just letting it kind of wash over us and we're just marching along. In the last episode we recorded, I don't know which order this is going to be released or whatever, but we talk about kind of when you're in an emotion, sadness or happiness or anything in between, it feels like you're going to live there forever or you're wondering when it's going to end and just kind of being okay with the moment as it is and whether it's happy or sad and just letting it float on as it's supposed to. I really felt that in the last month or so as I've had to let go of some different things. I've moved recently and had to let go of an apartment. I really 
really loved deeply. And while I'm so, so happy and excited for the next chapter of this new home that I have moved into, just like being so grateful for that period in my life. And just because something's good doesn't mean you have to stick with it forever. Something can be good and you can also let go of it. That's just life and we're just going to keep marching on. So check out our book. How Far You've Come by Morgan Harper Nichols. Some poetry, some written words, some beautiful artwork should be good. Well, I think that's it for now. So we'll check in next week. Ciao. Hi, this is Jamie. This week has been a lot. Wasn't exactly sure what I was going to talk about because it's almost been like I was thrown back into pre-COVID busyness almost um, with everything opening up and then the CDC saying we don't have to wear masks indoors anymore, which I don't know about that. I'm still nervous about that. But yeah, I've been really busy the last couple of weeks. So last weekend I was in El Paso and Alamogordo, New Mexico, where I visited White Sands National Park with some friends from college, just as a little reunion get together. These girls, I don't know, they're my family. It was, it was really nice seeing them again. And I actually lived in El Paso for about a year, right before, not right before, but before I moved to Seattle. So about two years ago was when I left El Paso. And honestly, when I left, I didn't know if I was ever going to be back there. So it was kind of weird just because, I don't know, I had never, before I lived there, obviously, had never had a reason to be there before. So to have a friend randomly say, hey, I really, really want to go to El Paso and (laughs) uh, White Sands National Park really badly, like, come with me. I was like, well, A, (laughs) you couldn't have done this two years ago when I lived there. But also B, of course, I'll go with you. So it was nice being back. It's kind of weird how much has changed in the last two years. Not the city. The city has not changed much. How I see the city now that I don't live there and have been gone for two years. It's just you don't realize how much has changed until I went back and was like, oh, wow. It's different being back in the city in this new mindset I have. I'm definitely not the same person. I'm not even close to the same person that that lived in El Paso two years ago. So it was a little weird. But I did get to see, this is the most exciting part of the trip for everyone. I did get to see the world's largest pistachio, which I was very excited about. When I lived in El Paso, had to travel to Kansas a few times. So I had probably driven by that world's largest pistachio like 20 times. And every time I had driven by it, really, really wanted to go. But it was just a point where it was like on a long road trip, not not necessarily a road trip for fun, a road trip just to get somewhere. So it never seemed like the right time. But we finally got to stop and we freaking loved it. It was the best. Highly recommend if anyone's near Alamogordo. Or if you're just going to White Sands, I mean, it's probably 25 minutes away from White Sands, right off the highway. Highly recommend it. Love it. Even if you don't like pistachios, they had some really awesome things. Like I got a bourbon honey 
that I then re-gifted to my mom for a very late Mother's Day present because I'm bad at presents, but that's not important. So I'm going to talk about something that you guys have already probably watched at this point. The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. By the time this was recorded, it had only just come out one day before. So if you have watched it, then good. You know what happens. I have not watched it yet. I read the book the summer of 2019 and absolutely loved it. I have become kind of a mystery novel connoisseur in the past couple of years. And this is one I prefer the ones that I can't tell what's going to happen. And I feel like at this point I've read so many or enough that I'm almost starting to lose enjoyment for some of them because they are so form and kind of see-through. But this one is definitely, definitely not. I'm not going to spoil anything yet. I am going to wait until after I see the film so we can talk a little bit about them. But it's about this woman named Anna who lives alone and is a recluse and does not leave outside of her home. But just basically, she just watches old films all day, drinks wine, and spies on her neighbors. And that is the premise, and I'm not going to go too much deeper into that. One twist I saw coming, one twist I very much did not, and uh, it really made the book for me. So I am going to watch the movie now and <laughs> let you guys know. How I feel. I'm going to be one of those annoying people that compares the book and the movie, even though they're definitely not comparable. But like I said, I love the book. I, I've heard mixed reviews about the movie, so I'm excited to see what happens plot-wise, how they were able to pull off some, uh, some things that I know happen. Excited to watch the movie. Very glad it's out on Netflix. But I will definitely give a little update if it, if it follows the book or not and my thoughts on it. So, it's Jamie again. I just finished the movie. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I did not love it. Ugh, pains me to say it. Honestly, and I don't... I feel bad saying things. I think the art direction and the directing style just wasn't for me. This was very clearly directed and maybe made to be in the style of more of a horror terror film and the book was I would not put it in a horror category I would say mystery murder not horror terror and so I think it just wasn't for me I just wasn't the end customer for this film and that's fine it had a great cast okay it had Amy Adams had Julianne Moore Gary Oldman Anthony Mackie, Brian Tigre Henry, who we've discussed before, my Atlanta little segment, but fantastic cast. I think, yeah, just it wasn't for me. Major spoilers ahead now. When it comes to the differences between the book and the movie, there were definitely some interesting choices. There was nothing too terribly huge, but there were definitely some big differences. So David, who is her tenant in the book and the movie, in the movie, they definitely fleshed out his character. And there was a point where they were trying to make it seem like he was it. He was the the killer. And they never really did that in the book. I think a big major difference is he was not as fleshed out 
in the book, but he did have sex with Amy Adams' character in the book. And they took that out of the movie for some reason. I don't know why. I think they very easily could have still included that. But whatever. And then also at the end, I'm confused. Was he killed? Did this dude die? Because he did not die in the book. In the book, he had already moved out by the point of the major conflict with Ethan. He wasn't the one that told Anne about Catherine being Ethan's mom. It was Ethan in the book that told I think he kind of figured he he was cornered and he told Dr. Fox that his father and mother who was his real mother Jane killed Catherine because she was the birth mother she like was looking to reconnect she wouldn't leave them alone and that's why they killed her and then he was like I'm gonna tell them to turn themselves in and then later that night comes over, she catches him watching her sleep, and that's when the whole fight ensues. That whole fight scene was pretty much the same, except David was not there, and he did not die. But uh, yeah, everything that took place on the roof was the same. The way Ethan died was the same. One big thing is, in the book, Ethan did not kill the father's assistant. That was just kind of a red herring. The real reason they had to leave Boston and that he, he left his job was because Ethan was caught several times watching Alistair's boss's wife. So Alistair basically ended up leaving for the sake of, you know, he, he definitely knew that something was wrong with his child and wanted to protect this woman. And, and I, I can't remember. The boss might have known. The boss might not have known. But that was why they had to leave Boston was basically for a fresh start those are really the biggest things so the twists obviously the first one was that her family was dead the whole time we kind of find that out the first like big revealed twist two-thirds of the way through the book and the film and I saw that one coming but one big thing surrounding her agoraphobia was the reason she had it they never really touched on that in the film I think they were kind of hoping like let's just show that she was the reason for her family dying and that's good enough well, in the book, what happened was they were fighting in the car or they were going on vacation to go skiing. They were still, you know, up the mountain. A snowstorm was coming. She gets a call from her business partner, the person that she runs her psychology practice with. And the husband confronts her about her having an affair with this business partner. The daughter gets upset. They decide canceling vacation. We're turning around to going home. They turn around snowstorm hits business partner calls again same thing drops the phone reaches to grab the phone off the cliff but this time in the movie it was just seemed like it was off the cliff they were dead it was really sad in the book it was off the cliff I think maybe the husband was dead and the daughter was kind of barely clinging to life and it took a rescue crew two full days 48 hours to find them and by the time they were found Anna was the only one who was still alive. So it definitely went further into that. There's more backstory about why she was agoraphobic and obviously, you know, stranded outside with your dead husband and child for two full days is a lot to take for anyone in the freezing cold. Final thought, suicide. She was not suicidal in the book. Not at all. She was just severely depressed. And that's kind of a... Um, I think in film... I think it's hard for people who don't have mental illness or don't know anyone with mental illness to 
comprehend severe depression. So honestly, I think it was a way to convey that in the films to make her suicidal. But I'd just like to state that not all people who are depressed are suicidal. But that was a, uh, when she was filming her suicide note in the film, that was definitely an emotional scene. I think really those were, oh my God, Binna, sorry, in the, in the book, she um, was visited twice weekly by her psychologist or psychiatrist, and she was also visited by her physical therapist because she was still recovering from the wounds from the car accident, from being in that car accident and then stranded outside for 48 hours without medical attention afterwards. So she had a physical therapist named Benna who would come over and it was basically her her only source of friendship. And I really liked the character of Benna. She was super nice. She was easy to get along with. And I am kind of sad they took her out of the movie because she was just someone that was like normal and relatable and could maybe cut some of the tension. And then also she was a part of an online chat support group for agoraphobics that was mentioned quite often in the book. And that was taken out of the movie so they really isolated her a lot in the film whereas she was very clearly isolated in the novel too but she at least had um, a few sources of outlet that she could talk to and she had her support group big differences wise they definitely fleshed out the character of Ethan more and had him come over a few more times and like have one-on-one time with Anna so it was I think more shocking in the book Maybe it's because I already knew it was happening when I watched the movie. But I thought it was more shocking in the book that he, he turned out to be a psychopath. <laughs> That's it. Really, I'm always just <laughs> sad when I like one more than the other. Whether it is a book or a film, they're quite... I don't like being the person that always likes the books more than a film. There are quite a few instances that I like film better than books. It just depends... I mean, for an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes of my time, I'm not upset. I got to watch Amy Adams, and she's perfect. So at the end, she doesn't move in the the book. She just walks outside. And my just general non-feeling about the movie kind of sums up this week. I'm just too tired to care. <laughs> Halfway through, I was like, mm, can I just turn on survivor instead so that's not a good sign but I still think you guys should watch it I don't know I feel bad saying mean things about other people's works I don't want to disparage them too much not that they'll ever listen to this so I guess with that bit ado hey y'all coming to you live from my couch I know you both have had some travels over the last week, so just checking in via voicemail, catching up and sharing some of the random things that I've been reading this week and maybe a couple little reflections along the way. This week has been (laughs) some educating on cryptocurrencies, which I think I could fill maybe one minute of me trying to explain what it is I have really basically no clue what I'm talking about. I I get it somewhat on a conceptual level, but I think the whole Dogecoin situation with Elon going on SNL was uh, really interesting. I know I even texted my brother at one point like, hey, you know, if a friend 
were to check out Dogecoin, would you recommend it? And he basically sent back a flat, no, that's a joke. Um, and so having Elon, you know, call it a hustle on live TV was pretty great, pretty great. So I was trying to educate myself on that a little bit and keep an update on cicadas. My family is all in the East Coast, and so they're about to have the cicadas basically invade their life for the next two months, and I am loving not being over there right now. I have never been so happy to not be home. Uh, my dad sent me a photo and like highlighted some of them on a tree, and that was basically all the validation that I needed to know that I'm cool where I am right now. And then I guess on a yeah, bit of a heavier note, you know, it'd be really hard to not see anything about Palestine or Israel's conflict happening right now. And I, I really can't speak to it. I don't want to, I'm not an educated source, but I've been trying to keep my eyes open on what's happening and educate myself along the way. I know there's some misinformation happening and some mixed messages, which, you know, at the end of the day really comes down to, yeah, agenda of, of news sources. And I, I think as a country too, I I know we've had a history of trying to stay out of it or you, at least on a public front, but I don't know. I was listening to a podcast or no, sorry. I was listening to John Oliver's last week tonight episode where he he talks about um, the stand your ground laws but in the beginning of the episode he touches on Israel and Palestine and I definitely understand that opening that door of trying to side with you know a group that is you know claiming like we have rights to the land because we were here first versus those who are there now I know that puts us in a touchy situation as well because you know, once you start citing that with one country, you know, you, I feel like you need to, you know, hold that mirror up to yourself as well. And <laughs> uh, developing thoughts on that, maybe, you know, just keeping, trying to keep myself educated and learn along the way. But anyway, I feel like I tend to keep on top of headlines throughout the week with news, but then I couple it with like truly inconsequential videos, you know, so I've been checking out some nail art, skincare, SNL, you know, I I have to say I really, really enjoyed the SNL episode with Elon as the guest and I think Miley Cyrus was the musical host for the week. Yeah, some of the jokes, I, don't, I really, I don't know if who else found it funny, but I, I thought the skits were wonderfully dorky or you know very witty and the you know gotta love the chad uh, <laughs> series i i'm kind of curious what they're gonna do with chad they essentially killed him off but i'm sure they'll keep rolling with it because i don't see that being the end of that series at all but i thought elon did a great job and brought <laughs> i don't know i think he was well casted in his characters and it fit his mannerisms and the the Gen Z hospital was an absolute highlight. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It was fantastic, personally speaking, you know. But one other highlight I totally want to hit on is Blackish. I'm so late to this train. So, so late. But I just started binging 
Blackish this past week, and I love it. I am watching multiple episodes every day in true binging fashion, but yeah, that's been a nice... It's not a break from reality. It's very much hitting on many things that I've been consuming myself with over the past couple years. Yeah, it's very... It's lighthearted, but has its serious notes, has really good messaging. It hits on a lot of that covert and overt racism that happens in many aspects of life, but at the same time, you know, it's just highlighting a Black family and the the many, many things that they go through as a family, both individually, but also, you know, as representation of what many Black families go through. Highly recommend it. I'm loving it right now. It's great. Well, so outside of you know, the random bits that I've been consuming this week. I think my voicemail is really more ideas I've been juggling with. So yeah, and some reflections that I'm, yeah, just just kind of leaning into. Um, and so one, <laughs> this is not a fully formed idea. I will say that right off the bat. So I, I've been thinking about oneself and the layers that you can see of yourself and in layers not I think I'm I'm picturing layers more of like not to get too floaty but like different layers of time of yourself so I heard this phrase before and it's it's escaping me where it where it's come from it, it might have been an interview on Brene's podcast about little fires everywhere but the the idea is you know, when you're a parent and you see a child, even as that child gets older, you know, you see them as they are as their older self and all those other stages when they're younger as well. And, you know, so you, you're seeing them kind of in a multi-dimensional sense where you can go back and forth of seeing them as a child and an adult and maybe a middle schooler, you know, all at the same time. And I think in some regards, you could maybe say the same for, honestly, anybody you've spent a long time with, but I don't know. I think maybe parents as well, though I, though I do get but that relationship can be different where, you know, as a child, you know, your parents feel like, can feel like a really static force and they can seem really consistent with who they are. Not all the time, but, you know, sometimes that's how it is and you know, when I look at my parents, you know, they're getting older, but I still see them in the way that I think I saw them when I was maybe like 10 years old, like somewhere along the line. I think, you know, my relationship with them has gotten deeper, but sometimes I still see them as if they have paused in time age-wise and I'm just catching up, even though that is sadly not the case. But yeah, I've been thinking about that in terms of looking at myself, and I think where that's coming from is trying to figure out where to go in life. And honestly, even in the near term, you know, thinking about, you know, what, what do I want to do in the next six months? What, what am I trying to prioritize right now? I feel like I have a number of things I want to do, and I honestly can't seem to 
prioritize one over the other. I think one makes more sense and then something will happen. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Scrap that. I'm going to do this other thing. And then I go back and forth. And I feel like it's been a couple years now of that, which honestly has been too long. It's time to stop doing that because I think what effectively is happening is nothing, you know? So I, but I am, I'm getting older with each day, you know, time is passing. And so I think I'm trying to figure out, you know, where to go, what to be like, what, what paths to take or what, what paths to let go of. And so it it makes me think of a couple things. I, I think about reconciling my past selves with my current self, with whatever I guess I think my future self wants to be. And I know we've talked in a recent but past episode about happiness and how trying to chase happiness can ultimately leave you feeling more unhappy in the long run. And I personally find myself kind of stuck because I get that. I 100% feel that. But then I also don't know how does one drive their life. And I, I think maybe the nuance is, you know, like not to chase happiness almost like a drug that you're constantly needing to run after and anything that doesn't fulfill that, push it to the side. That's my guess. But but I still, I, I don't really know if it's not. How do you figure out where to put your focus? You know, like I think you can still look for happiness, still, I don't know, pursue a fulfilling life. But I, I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm not getting those connections quite yet, you know, of the difference between how, how to position your life and let yourself be open to what changes, but at the same time still, you know, know what you think in that moment will make you happy or feel fulfilled or have meaning or whatever that goal is that you're trying to achieve in your life, you know, and have those decisions be driven by that. And so as I'm trying to figure out, A, what that all means, and B, what the hell do I do with it? You know, like, how how do I figure out where to drive my life, you know? or And this is also being said with the huge caveat that I know you cannot control what happens to you in life. You know, things happen. Like, you know, most of my childhood, I didn't really set out a plan for myself because I just kept getting told, you know, life, life happens, you set up a plan and then life happens, you know, basically just whatever you're thinking you're going to do, get ready because life has something else in store for you. And so I'm like, well, okay, I won't plan anything. I'll just be really, I'll be fine with wherever I go, you know, and that might have been good advice for myself at the time. But I feel like that stance now is leading me in a direction where I don't really know where I want to go, you know? And so by not having like a goal or like a future, even like a, not a future, but a five-year plan or, or something that is, you know, kind of that hilltop to be striving for, without having that, I feel really aimless, you know? And so having something to try to help direct myself go in a direction towards 
something that will feel meaningful or fulfilling, even if it's not ultimately what I end up doing, that is something I'm trying to figure out. And so where these like layers of reality come in are, you know, as I'm trying to figure that out, I, I think I'm trying to listen to myself about, you know, who I am right now, but also what, what was I really passionate about when I was younger that may still be there, but has maybe gone into hibernation for a while or was quieted by different schooling and different situations, you know. For example, kind of a silly example, but I recently got back into tennis and I had played when I was younger. I had played some in high school and loved it. I love tennis. I get so much joy out of playing. I have a lot of room to grow. I had a lot of passion and really enjoyed it. Was never quite at the level that I wanted to be at, but I it brought me so much joy. And then, you know, I, I think I got intimidated and a little too busy to try to play in college. I played some in an intramural team and just felt really out of my league. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is intramural. So, you know, maybe, maybe I need to pump the brakes on this. And then I think life kind of, I, I just forgot about it for a while. I was busy with school. And then I moved to Seattle and didn't have my stuff here and didn't really have the time in grad school or didn't think about, I don't know, it just kind of fell off on my radar for a while. And I kept having this excuse like, oh, my racket's back home, you know, I don't, I don't have it here, so I guess I can't play. In the past month, I was finally like, you know what, let's just go to this tennis store. Let's just figure out a new racket, because obviously <laughs> the one back home is not coming over here anytime soon. And so I'm doing a demo program at a local tennis shop, which has been really awesome. This is my first time ever doing it. And I have just had that love com- be completely rekindled. And, you know, most of my playing in the past month has been with myself, but it's been a lot of like looking up on YouTube for the first time, what the different grips with different swings can lead to and it's completely changed my forehand and you know for anyone who doesn't play tennis this might just be like yeah great (laughs) get to the point but basically it it just brought back in a really visceral and undeniable way this love and a joy that I have with the sport that I had basically forgotten for years like almost a decade you know and it and it came back and I that comes back to me in times, not tennis per se, but the the phases of myself in my past that have shed, like the layers have been shed at times because I'm learning, you know, new things and taking on new challenges and growing in myself. And, and so I'm, I feel like right now I'm playing with these different levels of my past self, you know, high school self, undergrad self, gap year self, grad school self, post-grad current self, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, what <laughs> what of all that is worth keeping and what is a nice footnote, a nice learning lesson and something to shed to the side. And I think some of that comes with, like some of the things that are rattling in my head are 
around architecture and around what is it about school that I found so interesting and what was I feeling so compelled about in school that maybe I feel like I'm not here, you know, and even back in high school, you know, or undergrad, what were those random classes that brought a lot of joy or assignments that really intrigued me that I haven't really had an outlet for since then and am missing, you know, writing is definitely one of those. And I I really enjoy storytelling and you have that in stages and like I have that in my job at stages but I know there's also there are different outlets for that that would be fun to bring in whether it's a side passion project or something else you know so yeah anyway this is a huge brain dump (laughs) saying that I am actively trying to figure things out but also feeling like I'm overthinking it if that wasn't evidently clear and knowing that you know some people go with the flow and life just kind of happens to them. And, you know, I I feel like I hear so many stories, especially in older generations like that, where people are talking about how they kept themselves open to opportunities at work. And, you know, they were working in one spot and then an opportunity opened and they jumped into that. And then another opportunity happened and down that road came the career that they built for themselves. And that's really cool to hear. It's really inspiring and eye-opening and nice to hear, especially as we know that people can pivot from what they originally get into a career with. And I, I think there's some things in my professional life that I could see that pivot with, but it's really different than what I thought I would be getting into work for. So I think there's a bit of a shock there of is this pivot a pivot I want to go down or is this going to lead me down a path where I suddenly just can't get myself to back to where I want to be? But then I also, there's part of me that thinks with those stories of, you know, people just having opportunities that show up along the way. <laughs> I don't know. I I could be wrong, but I just feel like, where where is this reality? Where is this world where opportunities are showing themselves? It's not to say it can't, it doesn't happen at jobs, but I don't know. When I hear stuff like that, my initial reaction is like, oh, it's a different time. There, you know, the opportunities like that don't happen because it just feels like people have to get really specialized in what they do. And then, you know, some people can pivot, but it, I don't know. I'd like to be proven wrong on that. I'd like to see enough evidence that I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely am just in the wrong atmosphere for that. But it seems like you need experience in order to get into some opportunities. And so being able to pivot out of something that you have experience in into something that you've never had experience with, I don't know, it's not impossible, but definitely have to market yourself well as a really viable candidate for that. I don't really know that I can tie up this ramble in a a clean bow other than just, you know, I think it's um, really funky, but awesome to think of yourself simultaneously as your younger self, your current self, and your future self. I mean, it is really difficult for me to imagine what I'm going to want as an individual in five, 10 years, I feel like what I'm looking for and what's important to me has changed a lot, even in the last five years. And 
I don't know if that's so much my personality changing rather than just the situations that I'm in and me responding to whatever I'm lacking, whatever I'm missing in life. Yeah, I hope maybe one of you can relate to this or anyone listening can and just know that this process is uh, funky and takes time, but who knows, maybe at some point I'll just have some enlightening moment (laughs) revelation and I'll get super jazzed and tell you all about it the second it happens. Anyway, that's my check-in for this week. (laughs) I hope you all are doing well and I will talk to you all later. Bye! Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that's inspiring you or bringing you joy that you want to share, please send us an email at wrdpod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll feature you on the pod. And follow us on Instagram at wrdpod as well. If you're looking for more information, you can find all our show notes and more on our website, whatyourreadingdude.com. Music for this podcast was created by Kalindo. You can follow him on Instagram at the Real Kalindo. Stay inspired and see you next week.